We are ready to hear our speaker today, which is going to be Florence. And God has given her a good word to say for us today. So we've got to be attentive and listen. So Father God, I pray that you give us ears to hear what Florence has said today and a heart to receive the words that you're bringing through her. Florence has actually asked Mary if she will read a scripture to start with. So we're going to hand over to Mary who will then hand over to Florence. This is from uh, the book of Joshua from the NIV version. This is chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Now over to Florence. Well, as Mary read, God's servant Moses, who had brought Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, was now dead. So God immediately moves into action and appoints Joshua to succeed Moses to continue the unfinished task of possessing the land that the God had promised to Abraham and his descendants. Joshua was a first-class replacement for Moses. He was not only a good administrator and excellent military tactician, but more importantly, he was totally committed to obeying and serving God. Now, God wanted Joshua to succeed in his commission, so he started him off on his journey with a great deal of encouragement. Three times, Joshua is exhorted to be strong. So number one, be strong and courageous to inherit the land. Be strong and courageous to obey the law. Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. So the three points we will be looking at this morning is 
Number one, strong in conviction. Number two, strong in commitment. Number three, strong in courage. So point number one, be strong in your conviction. To have a conviction, one needs to have a goal or focus. A soldier goes into war to win the war. An athlete enters the race to win the race and receive the prize. So Joshua's conviction was that God's promise of a land originally made to Abraham will be fulfilled regardless of how long the promise was made. Now Abraham never saw the land God promised him, but he never weakened in his conviction that he would leave his descendants the legacy of God's covenant. Joshua was now destined to turn that promise into reality. Now, Joshua's conviction came from knowing God for himself. He did not rely on other people to experience uh, of God or on information passed on to him by his uh, elders. He got to know God personally for himself, and that was the major reason why he could trust God. His conviction came from knowing God's character. He knew God was upright, just, and righteous. He knew God does not lie or go back on his promises. What he says, he does. So, a personal relationship with God is the key. A level of trust in God depends on how closely we know him and walk with him. Joshua's conviction came from experiencing God's faithfulness. He had first-hand experience of Israel's deliverance under the leadership of Moses. He was just a youth then, but he saw his God move in power against the oppressors of Israelites in Egypt. He saw the miracles of the parting of the Red Sea and his people crossing over to the other side, while Pharaoh and his army drowned in this very same sea before their own eyes. Joshua witnessed God's supply for his people in the wilderness. He saw that God fed them supernaturally. He saw the cloud above them protecting them from the heat of the day and cool of the night. And just as I was preparing this, it suddenly struck me that God is way, way ahead of our modern technology. You know, God's cloud during the day, keeping them cool, and that is God's air conditioning. And during the heat, uh, that was, and the pillar of cloud above them was God's central heating, uh, because the temperatures in the desert at night dropped to almost freezing points. So Joshua also saw death and destruction of those who refused to obey God and move with the cloud, and they died in the desert. Joshua was also one of the 12 men sent by Moses to spy out the land of Canaan. It was only Joshua and Caleb who gave a positive report about the land they were to possess. Do you know why? Because of their conviction that their God was powerful, and with him on their side, they could defeat all their enemies. And they would possess the land the Lord their God gave them. But first, 
they had to fight 31 kings, seven nations, and giants the size of telephone poles. What about us? Are we strong in our conviction that we can possess the land before us? That we can drive the enemy from a nation who has brought so much destruction? In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we read of our commission. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. But remember, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers of this dark world. God said to Joshua to choose men who would fight. Are we men and women who would fight and pull down the strongholds of the ruthless enemy who's busy marring the image of God in human race through hopelessness, sin and poverty, abuse of children, alcohol and drug addiction, destroying our young people, breakdown of family structure, media and education system, excluding God from our societies, including and uh, ungodly ideologies in Christian churches, apathy in God's own children, who will be a Joshua to these people and lead them out of the slavery of Satan and into the kingdom of God? Are we going to reclaim and recover the ground the enemy has taken from us? Yes, we can. If, like Joshua, we are strong in our conviction that with God on our side, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And in Christ, we are more than conquerors. Also, like Joshua, our conviction has to come from our personal experience with God, remembering what God has done for us so far, and to keep hold of his promises for what he's going to do in the future. Remembering that Jesus' death on the cross purchased our salvation, forgiveness of sins, our sicknesses, diseases, our infirmities, our condemnation, and our guilt was nailed to the cross once for all, never to come back from off that cross. So let's not believe the lies of the enemy that we are guilty. No, we are not. We have been acquitted. We have been set free. Praise God. Do you know why Christianity is uh, such a dramatic religion? Because other religions say, do, do, do. Christianity says, done, done, done. Finished on the cross. Joshua remembered God's provision in the wilderness. How many times we have been in the wilderness of doubt, of despair, lack of finances, sickness, lack of faith for our, for our provisions, worrying for our children, our grandchildren. Did God not turn up for us with the right provision at the right time? Of course he did. <laughs> now, let me ask you this question. What was your first blessing of today? Waking up. Waking up. Waking up. Absolutely. Thank you, Mary. Now, this week, last week, just week gone, I was watching a program called Breaking, uh, Breathtaking. 
I don't know if anyone else watched that. And it was about NHS staff at the front line during the pandemic. It brought home back to me the devastation caused by coronavirus. Hundreds of people lost their loved ones. Many people we know personally are not with us anymore. But God has brought us and our family through this pandemic. How important it is to thank God for the gift of life each and every day. Today, somebody didn't wake up, but we are here. And that is enough reason to be thankful to God. It is important to share our testimonies to encourage others. I would like to share how God protected my friend Di Chapman. She was in a car accident and her car was a write-off. But she was safe. No harm came to her physically. Following that, the following week, I was driving back from Farnham Road and this man shot through the red light and he nearly hit my car, but he didn't because I slammed on the brakes. And if he had, I, I would have been fatally injured. And at that point, I thought, somebody is praying for me. God is protecting me. His protective hand is on me, and he's a good God. He looks after his children. He looks after all our affairs. So that is a great thing to be thankful for. Yes? yes. Point number two, be strong in your commitment. God commanded Joshua to obey all the law and not turn from it to the left or to the right and meditate on it day and night. Now, that's a lot of commitment. But that kind of commitment was required for the quality of service God was looking for. God deserves our best because he gave his best to the point of death. His commitment to us is wholehearted and he expects nothing less from us. God is not looking for half-hearted commitment. He is not interested in lukewarm response. In fact, he says, I will spit out the lukewarm. He would rather we were hot or we were cold. In other words, fully in or fully out. God places no premium on half measures. In Luke 9, Jesus said to them, No one who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Sitting on the fence is never an option. Joshua made it clear to everyone where he stood. He said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Shall we repeat that after Joshua together? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So, in what areas we are expected to be fully committed? Number one, commitment of obedience. Total obedience to God in every area of our, of our lives is of utmost importance. We cannot call him Lord and then go and do our own thing. If he's our master, then we have to obey him in everything. True obedience has no lead to it. I could quote many examples, bless you, of disobedience to God from the Bible and the dire results of it and the high cost that was involved from Adam and Eve onwards. God's love is unconditional. 
but success and prosperity are tied in with obedience. They only come as a result of total and complete obedience to God because God is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. And in a covenant, both sides have to keep the conditions of the covenant. You can read for yourselves the promises God made to Abraham, Noah, Moses, Joshua, David, and so on. Then we will understand what covenant is all about. God has linked two things together that cannot be separated. Obedience and power, prosperity, provision. In Job 36.11 we read, If people obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. Number two, commitment of time. Time is a precious commodity. Is my time my own or is every breath a gift from God? So how much of this God-given time I give back to God? How much time I spend in his presence? Do I set aside time to feed on God's word? Do I tithe my time for God's kingdom? Do I spend my time serving God and his people? The Bible says Enoch walked with God for 300 years. Wow, what a commitment. We are, prepared, are we prepared to make that kind of commitment to God? That's a question I will leave with you. And so number three, commitment of possessions. Who possesses me? Is it husband, wife, children, employer, football, car, job? Am I my own person or do I belong to God? Something to think about. What about worldly possessions? In 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, King David said, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. Acts 4 states, they, meaning the church, sold all their possessions and brought the money to the church leaders for God's work and meeting people's needs. Mary of Bethany poured out very costly perfume at Jesus' feet. A widow put her last penny into the temple fund. After all, what can we give to God that has not been given to us by him in the first place? It is not about what we have or how much we give. It is about our attitude. It is about the attitude of our heart before God. It is about ownership. Do we own it? Or are we stewards of what God has given us? A steward is one who owns nothing and yet is responsible for everything. So do we own our possessions or do our possessions own us? Like the rich man who walked away from Jesus because he was too rich to give away what he had. Point number three, be strong in your courage. In fact, the verse says, have I not commanded you be strong in your courage? Now, it, that is a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question emphasizes the authority of the speaker uh, or a question to which no answer is required. Or only one answer may be made. In other words, God is saying, just go and do it. 
Just don't wait upon things or get involved with other things. Just go and do it. So he says, you can be strong in your courage against your enemies. You will not be fearful of them. You will, not, you will go forward and possess the land that is before us. And do you know why? The answer is in the next part of the verse. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Moses said to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. So if God is with us, who can be against us? No enemy can prevail against us. Like Goliath, every giant will fall face down at your feet. The victory has already been won on the cross. The land has already been given to us. All we have to do is walk into that victory. Unless we take that first step towards it, we will never know what it is to be victorious. The water of Jordan did not pile up in a heap for the Israelites to cross over to the other side until the feet of the Levites touched the water. So let's take that first step towards the victory that awaits us. So let me encourage you to be strong. Go and do exploits for your God in your communities. Bring in the poor, the wretched, the sick, the lame, the blind, the sinners, and backsliders, and minister to them in the name of Jesus. And set them free. So your God, my God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, be glorified in this nation once again. Did you know that in our nation, 29% never pray, 33% don't go to any church, only 6% of adults in Britain said that they were practicing Christians. So besides these, there's the rest. So the harvest is big, the harvest is absolutely massive. Now, we want to be a church where people feel free to bring their baggage with them, bring their brokenness with them, and be set free. So let's make intentional plans for our lives, for our church, that are guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. So we have direction, goals, and godly purpose to see that the kingdom of God may come in this nation once again. So church, be strong, for the joy of the Lord will be your strength as we fulfill our commission as in Matthew 10:8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And it's good about our hope furniture, bringing hope to the people of Slough, as Gary shared. And that is one way of entering into the lives of people and bringing that hope and freedom that God wants to give to this nation once again, that God wants to give to our communities, that God wants to give to Slough, where God has placed us. So let's get up, get, get off our backside and go and minister to God to people in the name of God. Bring that freedom, bring that joy, uh, bring the presence of God into their lives. Bring that hope. Let's do everything we can to bring that hope to people. Yes. So church, 
just to sum up, be strong in your conviction, be strong in your commitment, be strong in your courage. Isaiah 48, 17 says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go.